2: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, check it out now.
1: Uh, no down now. Thursday morning, September 26, 2019, the Feeding the Book podcast, Megapod. For week four in the National Football League, it's Gil Alexander, as I mentioned. Thank you for joining. Uh, As always, the staples of the show are with us today. From Circus Sports, the vice president of operations... And also Derek Stevens, conciliary, if you want to know him by that title. It's Mike Palm. Thank you, Mike. How you doing, man?
3: Well, we're finally getting over this cold. It's breaking up now, so so that's good. And I'm very, uh, very, very honored to be on the panel with today's uh, esteemed rotating guest.
1: Esteemed rotating guest. We'll get to him. But of course, on my left, it's Todd Wishnev, everybody, from uh, Showtime's docuseries series Action, and of course, a numbers game weekly appearances on Veasan. Todd. What are you in circa right now? Ten and five.
4: I am ten and five in circa, so the end is near.
1: <laughs> what does that mean? That you're about to you're about to suck royally?
4: Yes, probably. Excellent.
1: You've also been very good on this megapod. The both of you have been very good. I have sucked. I've been one and two every week and have lost the teaser. So something's wrong with me i got to get off the schneid. Uh, The rotating guest that Mike Palm is referring to, the esteemed rotating guest. First time on the podcast. uh, He's obviously been on the show on VEASAN, on the numbers game, for years now. We can actually say years, plural. He hosts the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, Saturday and Sunday mornings leading into football. He writes for The Athletic. He, of course, has his own podcast, which ranks way higher than this one, I might add. Uh, in the iTunes rankings, it's called the GM Shuffle. He does it with Adnan Verk, and and he's got a book. It's called Gridiron Genius, ladies and gentlemen. He's worked with Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Al Davis. You name it. It's Michael Lombardi. What's happening, Michael?
5: Not much, Gil. It's great to be here. Week four. This is always a good time of the year. I appreciate you having me on. It's good. I'm starting to actually. I think you gave me the ultimate compliment when I said something about Pinnacle the other day. You, you actually were I impressed your. You with my betting esteem there, huh?
1: Yes, I was. That was my big takeaway from that whole interview. I was like, "Wow, he does Actually, you know what? There were two. There were two points. Todd actually said this because Todd came on uh, the next day after you were on, and he and Todd, if I might talk uh, about our conversation about Michael, there were two points that we had in our conversation that I think stood above the rest. One, if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, like run the clock down, shorten the game, right? Like that was a big thing mm-hmm. that the Ravens didn't do. And what was the other one, Todd, that we seized upon? Oh, the coaches thing. How you could almost do better just betting coaches in the National Football League. Forget every other little detail. Just do a power ranking of coaches and bet coaches, and you might be better off than actually putting your own brain into things.
5: I I think that's true. I really do. I was talking to a coach last night. He's driving home from work, and we were talking about how these teams, they don't understand that pass rush really determines – how to play the quarterback. So, if, you know, for example, Detroit's going to play uh, Kansas City, and they'll copy what Belichick did against Kansas City. They'll take their two defensive ends and they'll push the pocket back, and they'll try to squeeze the two tackles, especially Cam Ewing, who's not very good, try to squeeze him in and make the pocket a little uncomfortable for Mahomes, and then they're going to try to jam Mahomes and, and the receivers to kind of disrupt the timing. And so the front can really help the quarterback in coverage help defend the quarterback as opposed to coverages but most coaches they don't see that there's an imbalanced pass rush you'll see three guys on one side of the center and one guy over there and the quarterback scrambles for 20 yards and the announcer says well you know he scrambles for 20 yards first down No, that that should never happen so those little details that coaches don't see that good ones do that's what you're betting against
4: should it ever happen on fourth and five on the last drive of the game that the Uh, quarterbacks should be allowed to run down the Red Sea as the Israelites did going away (laughs) from Egypt with no one anywhere near him to score the game-winning touchdown should that ever happen
5: oh well that you know that's really uh that's what we call coaching malpractice I mean you know and so it's one thing to play two deep man under where you lose sight of the quarterback but if you do that you better have somebody in the defensive front Who's making that pocket very tight and keeping it in there? And no, it should never happen like that. Look, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are—you um, know—I I, I marvel at the PR of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Jason Light's drafted two kickers. He can't—I think he can't get a kicker situation solved. He's got a new five-year contract extension. Bruce Arians has come in as this quarterback guru, and then he's let's change. He lets. He lets Byron Leftwich call all the plays. Like, we hired you, Bruce. We didn't hire Byron, you know? Like, like you're the reason. You're the highest-paid coach on the staff. You should be calling the plays. You should be running the offense. So the Bucs, to me, I, I don't know. Well, I was actually having the same conversation with his head coach, and we were talking about how bad the Bucs were, and, and he was like, look, they only really give a shit about Manchester United anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: those all those Buccaneers receivers were very well covered, Todd. I just want to point that out. Very well covered, except they forgot about the quarterback. Uh, by the way, I'm glad you cursed right there, Michael, because you are allowed to curse here. Uh, my last experience with Michael Lombardi cursing on podcasts is when you used to do the uh, the old one with uh, your buddy Tate Frazier, young Jim Nance, by the way, everybody. Um, and, uh, young Jimmy,
5: yeah, little, little Jimmy, I call him. Little... Actually, we did a podcast today with little Jimmy Adnan and I. Posted Little Jimmy on it. We had a segment where we talked about the great Baker Mayfield and we talked about the clip that I think is the essence of of who the Washington Redskins are. Oh. It, it was in the Washington Post the other day. And Mike Palm, you need to look at this because if you ever see any of your employees down at Circa or de- at, at your hotels behaving like this, you know your culture is rotten. It's Dwayne Haskins sitting on the bench looking completely in the opposite direction as Kevin O'Connell instructs Case Keenum on what to do.
1: <laughs> this my beloved Washington Redskins. So bad. So bad. Might be Colt McCoy this weekend. We shall see. Could be Dwayne Haskins. Might be Colt McCoy. Uh Case Keenum in a uh, walking boot. By the way, what's Tate doing now?
5: I think Tate's as as one of the great Mike, you might know this guy. Do you know Mike Tony? Mike Sir Mike, do you know yes, Mike Pompey? You know, I do. You know Mike Tony? I do Mike know Tony Michael when,
3: Tony. Mm-hmm.
5: Michael Tony used to hang around, when I was in Vegas, he would hang around the basketball program. He would come in, Tim Gergerich, who's now at the Pistons, Mark Workantine is at the Nuggets, and, I, and I, was, I had an office next door to them. So Tony was helping out the football and the basketball program, helping us get comp tickets and all that stuff. And he uttered the greatest line of all. He said he was in between successes. And I think that's where Tate Frazier is, right in between successes.
1: In between successes. I like that. Um, Just to finish, the last time I was listening to uh, their podcast, um, I was playing catch with my uh, de facto daughter, little Gracie, who uh, was 11 years old at the time, and we were playing catch in the room, and I was listening to uh, Lombardi on the (laughs) the old podcast, and then Lombardi (laughs) starts cursing like a sailor, and I had to sprint across... (laughs) The room and shut off the podcast.
4: Uh,
5: you are very animated.
1: No, that's quite all right. I apologize.
5: I was probably mad at. I was probably something bad at something.
4: By the way, guild is it possible that on the wonderlick test, there's not a question saying if the head co- coach is talking to the quarterback, do you a pay attention or b look in the other direction? Oh, seriously,
1: <laughs> it's not even Dwayne's fault, though, right? The coach should you, hold the you, task. Yes.
3: Gilda, you Haskins is ready to, to play in the NFL. I don't I don't see him playing. Key. I don't know what percentage of the playbook he's even able with that they could start him this week.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure
5: they you, can. You know, I mean, Mike. Here's what I said tweeting. I was having a tweet storm the other night on Monday Night Football after my favorite, who I will never mention his name, after my favorite general manager, who's 59, <laughs> 92, and one with the Redskins. And I I, I just <laughs> tweeted this very clearly. I said, I said. You people calling for Haskins are the dumbest human beings of all time because the, the starters aren't ready to play. How do you think the backups could be ready to play?
1: <laughs> I got so many tweets like that, like, oh, you think we should put in Haskins against the Bears now? Are you kidding me? You'll ruin the kid. Let's get into it, gentlemen. Let's get into our best bets of the week. Uh, Mike, real quick, circa million update. How many people at 13-2? and two? Three at the top?
3: Yeah, we have three at 13-2. and two. And then we have ten at 12, two and one, and ten at twelve and three. So there are twenty-three people either at the lead or it within one game of the lead, heading into the final week of September.
1: Todd Wishnev is in this shit. Not for the not for the quarterly, but for the for the whole kit and caboodle. He's in this.
3: Yeah, I think if you if you over the course of the season hit uh, hit hit at the rate he's hitting, you're right there in the conversation. Because uh, remember, we're talking about. Westgate having du- almost double the amount of people, so I don't think it's going to take that kind of a percentage to win this thing right. just because of the sample size.
1: Right, you won't. The randomness is that much more mm-hmm. muted. Exactly. The nice thing about circa again, again, if you go zero and twenty the first four weeks, and then you go five and zero week five. It's all good, because then you have a three-week sprint to try to get 147000 in the quarterly. So just a great contest uh, over there at Circa. Mike, we start with you. Mike Palm. Actually, you know what? Let's let's go to our guest, Michael Lombardi. Michael, you said you might have a pick or two. What do you like best on this slate? Uh,
5: you know, I like the Denver Broncos best. This Me week. too. I, I think that Denver is a—you uh, know, they uh, if, you, if I were to tell you that, that Denver would not have a fumble created— would not have a sack and would not have an interception after three games, I would say, well, there's another planet I'm living on. And if I would also tell you that Joe Flacco's numbers, his numbers are similar to what his numbers were in 2014. Now they're not great. Don't get me wrong. They're not great, but he's averaging seven yards per attempt down the field, which is highest since 2014. He's had five passes over 25 yards this year. Now he's not playing great, but what he's been able to do is their defense is only playing – about 28 minutes so they're playing less defense which is one of the things that i love the most is teams that play less defense means you can play good defense and i think the line has moved it's it's open to three it's i think the sharps are playing denver a little bit three and a half we note denver's 22 and 0 going into the first game of the year uh, against the bears that they kind of got ripped off and lost they should be 23 and oh in the month of september I, I like Denver to bounce back this week. I think they'll create some turnovers for Gardner, McKay, Minshew. And uh, <laughs> and I just hope that they give the ball to Fournette because if there's ever a more overrated player in the NFL, it's Leonard Fournette.
1: Oh, we were talking about him for fantasy purposes today with Todd Wright on the show on a numbers game. It's just awful. Uh, I'm just going to step in, Mike, and take my turn. on the butt in because I have Denver, two as uh, my first best bet. Denver is favored by three. It is extra juice, but it is three across the board. And I agree with everything you're saying, Michael, for the third straight game, Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Denver defense, no sack, no turnover forced. If there was a game where Vic Fangio can get his defense to do something. It's against a quarterback who has only had two career starts in Gardner Minshew. Yes, I know he has a 74% completion percentage, uh, the highest in any player's first three career games since the merger, minimum 75 attempts. But if there was ever a game that this defense should show up and you're only giving three... I too am taking the Broncos as my first bet. The only caveat I will say here, Michael, is let's see how long it takes for us to text each other and say, "Oh my God, we're betting on the Joe Flacco face." That's the only thing. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm worried well, I'll,
5: about. I'll send that. I'll send that text before the game. I yeah. promise
1: you. <laughs> Flacco sacked six times by the way last week in Denver's loss. Mike Palm, your first best bet, sir.
3: Well, at the uh, risk of offending Michael Lombardi, I'm going to go to a game that I think the wrong team is favored here, and I'm going to take the Vikings plus two uh, at Soldier Field. If not for the fact that Kirk Cousins hasn't won a big game since he threw the Hail Mary against Russell Wilson's Badgers in East Lansing, I would bet all of Todd Wishnev's V C paycheck on the Vikings on this game. (laughs) (laughs) Wow,
4: that is bold.
3: I think Minnesota benefits from having this game earlier in the year where it's not going to be a frigid soldier field. It should be very nice, almost perfect football weather with a 325 kick in Chicago. I think that Minnesota is so far the best team in the NFC. They actually dominated Green Bay for three-quarters of that game in Lambeau Field. I'm very impressed with their ability to run the football right at you, and yet they still have all the talent at wide receiver and tight end It's a formidable defense. Uh, I I think there's a little bit of a coaching edge in terms of of just from the fact that Nagy is so limited in what he can do with Trubisky. Now, I thought Trubisky looked a little better trying to run this hurry-up offense, but then again, I remind myself it's the Washington Redskins defense And, you know, a good Texas 6A team could go up and down the field against them as well. So I'm going to take Minnesota and take a couple of points on the road here against the Bears.
1: You know what? I actually think the Redskins' defense is actually pretty good. I just don't think if you give them 10 yards to defend, right, and they're on the field all game long, I don't know that we get a real accurate assessment of them. The other thing that Minnesota has done great, they've kept Kirk Cousins off the field. So Cousins, 15 of 21 last week, 174 yards. For the second time in two Minnesota wins, they did not even attempt a fourth-quarter pass. So against Atlanta, and then last week again. Who'd they play last week again real quick? I can't remember. Minnesota. The Raiders. The Raiders. Both of those games. Not a single fourth-quarter pass. And remember that win against Atlanta, 11 dropbacks for the whole game, 10 pass attempts. Uh, from Cousins, so I guess whatever works. Dalvin Cook, sixteen for one ten last week, after missing nineteen of his first thirty four games. Michael Lombardi, did you want to respond to uh, Mike Palm taking the Vikings there at all?
5: I, I love it. I think that when you look at when you look at this game, I mean, you know what you've got is you know we talk about coaching. You know, Mike Zimmer, uh, Mike Zimmer understands how to play the great Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell's averaged five yards per pass attempt in the games that he's had to play. <laughs> last year they went to get. Last year they won both games only because they could run the ball. Last year they ran for 327 yards in those two games. You know, MVP Mitch has thrown 25 passes over 10 yards this year, Gil, and MVP Mitchell has completed six of them. So anytime you're getting the points and Mitchell's your opponent, I say go.
1: I want to ask you this question. Is there anybody in your... I guess in your post uh, NFL-employed life, let's say in your broadcasting life, that you have had in your craws more than Mitchell Trubisky. Does anybody you've hated more?
5: I, you know, and I don't hate them. I just hate people's ignorance. I hate people thinking that that what you're that you're you're using this as an agenda. I don't have an agenda. You know, I'll readily admit if I would have been the general manager of the Bears, I would have stayed a tree and I would have picked Sean Watson, and I would have probably had to listen to people tell me I should have picked Mahomes, and they were right. You know, but to pick a quarterback that did, played mm-hmm. one year at North Carolina, didn't get didn't get scholarship to play quarterback at Ohio State, and then trying to convince me that he's coming around, he's playing better when he goes against a horrendous secondary. He throws the ball damn near out of bounds on the deep throw that the kid makes an incredible catch and keeps his feet in bounds. Anytime he throws the ball, you're working extra hard to catch it. Accuracy is something you can't improve in quarterbacks, and so when the game's on the line, look, let's let's be honest here. This game is going to be a third down game. Mike Simber's one of the best third down coaches in football. This is where he wins. You've got to try to stay away from third down and, and stay out of that format and stay out of those situations. And when you look at Mitchell, you know Mitchell's not a good third down. The game goes too fast for him. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hate. I don't hate the guy but I do know that it, if if Mike Zimmer stops the run in this game and puts it on Mitchell and Mitchell has to extend throw over 10 yards I think the fa- I think Mike Mike Palms correct I think that, that it favors it favors Minnesota take the points and, and watch Mitchell
1: yeah and, and I don't mean to in, to insinuate that you hate him personally but just the, the game and, and all the things that you said uh, I'll say this here I'll say it on the podcast because I I don't say it on Vison when we do our segments because it's a bit of a third rail But I guess maybe it's because I was also watching the great ESPN 150-year college football special, America's Game, and they did one on integration. Um, So this is kind of close to home because my ex-father-in-law was a great high school quarterback, African-American in Fullerton, California. He later became a great safety for the -the over-the-hill gang, Washington Redskins. But when he was recruited as a quarterback, his name is Brig, Brig Owens. His first name is Brig. He was recruited by BYU, And they thought, sight unseen, they just saw his stats, that he was short for Brigham. And so they recruited him at BYU. And then when they saw him on campus, they were like, uh, no, this can't work. This is back in the 60s. I'm wondering, the Trubisky thing where they traded up, guy played one year at North Carolina, didn't draft Deshaun Watson, didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. We're still seeing a lot of this in football. And I guess what I'm saying is, if a black quarterback played one season at North Carolina, would they have traded up to draft him? Like, I really wonder if we still have a little of that still lurking
5: in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think we fall in love with, I think Ryan Pace fell in love with potential. And, you know, and, and I think that anytime you fall in love with potential, because there's no way you take a quarterback in the same conference. The guy's won the player of the conference two years in a row called the ACC. You take the guy who played at North Carolina one year. Like, if I went upstairs and said to Millie, my wife, look, we're going to take a guy from the ACC, but he's not the best quarterback in the conference. <laughs> he didn't start three years, and he didn't win a national championship. Her CPA instincts would say to me, "You're an idiot. Go back back to your office."
1: Yeah, and and can I just say, like, for people who are like, "Oh, Gil, you can't say that. How can you be that?" <sharp inhale> Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, all drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson looks pretty good to me.
5: Uh, Gil, I I wrote that. I wrote that for the my article for the athletic tomorrow and if you go to and i don't look i don't buy a lot of uh, like i'm not against analytics so i like objective things like the mad ratings i do i think you know they're completely objective whether you agree with them or not there's no bias in it so it's based strictly on numbers trubisky was the worst quarterback in the mad ratings but if you go to qbr and whether you like qbr or not and you revisit that draft, the Darnold Baker Mayfield draft. I mean, Lamar Jackson has an eighty quarterback rating. Baker Mayfield has a forty. Yeah. Think about that.
1: Yeah, something to think about. I have two questions.
4: First of all, last three episodes, we did the Thursday night game first. Did we just skip that for no reason? Oh today? my goodness,
1: I'm an idiot. Yes, we should have. So let's get your first best bet, and we'll go right to the Thursday game. I'm sorry.
4: I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my best bet the Thursday game to save you, Mister Doctor Gil, Dr. Gil- oh, Alexander. Oh, perfect. Thank and you. And I. I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles plus the four. Now, do I like the Philadelphia Eagles? No. Do I think they can run the ball? No. I like what's been happening with them this year? No. I don't like any of it. So you say, why do you take the Philadelphia Eagles? Here's why. The Philadelphia Eagles are 0-3 against the spread. The Green Bay Packers are 3-0 against the spread. (laughs) In my short life of gambling on football yes. if you take teams that are zero and three against the spread versus teams that are three and zero against the spread you tend to do well can i make a case for how the philadelphia eagles down by 10 in the last two minutes will get a backdoor touchdown to lose by three i can can i also see the philadelphia eagles mustering everything they have for this game in order to stay in the race at one and two right now yes i can do I think the Green Bay Packers are amazing? Well, I think they played great on defense against Trubisky, but we've just heard what Mike Lombardi said about Trubisky. I think they really should have lost the game against the Minnesota Vikings, and that wasn't that great. And this past week they got to play Fanny Pack Fangio at home. So what have they really accomplished in this in this uh, season so far? Nothing amazing. Four points, it's a lot in an NFL game. The Philadelphia Eagles are still a pro team. I like Peterson. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night.
1: (laughs) I think you should do all of your uh, betting capsules by answering your own questions. Call and response. Do I think this? (laughs) No, I do not.
4: I'm, I'm in the question and answer mode because I'm watching a lot of congressional hearings today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> care to care to give your politics on that, Todd, at all? Do you want? No,
4: to do that? no. I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass.
1: I've already stepped on race. You might as well stop on, step on politics.
4: You'll have no listeners by the time I'm done, Gil.
1: I know I won't. Uh, Philadelphia at Green Bay is the Thursday night game. I should have started there. I am not bright for having forgotten that, but Todd saves me here. Uh, sick Mike Palm, do you have any thoughts on tonight's game?
3: If I played the game, I think I would lean Packers first half just because of the way these two teams have played so far. <clears throat> the Packers have been much better. <clears throat> excuse me in first half of games and the Eagles have been awful in first half of games. I mean they were they got down seventeen to nothing to the Washington Redskins for God's sakes. Uh down at the half <laughs> to Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, down at the half well the Packers have played well in first halves and, and you know look how they came out against Minnesota in the first quarter. So I would lean to lane three in the first half with the Packers here.
0: Uh, 45
1: of the Packers 58 points this year 45 of 58 have been scored in the first half uh, Michael Lombardi does that tell you something about Matt LaFleur and coaching staff right off the bat at halftime
5: Yeah, it, it does I think both calls are the right for me the right calls I think when you look at the Eagles they've only scored 23 first half points all year we know that the Packers are a first half point team at last week, seven drops. You know, the, really, the Eagles gave that game away. And the concern you have is the Eagles. Their number one sacker on their team is is Zendejo, the free safety. That doesn't work. If you're Jim Schwartz, your defensive line has to control the game. Their defensive lines beat up. But I do think that on a short week, Carson Wentz is only five and eight in his last thirteen games. He's twenty seventh when you pressure him. But I just have a feeling they're going to come out, and this is the first time I really think that the Packers are going to get challenged with a quarterback who can move, can make plays, and I think that they can handle it. They'll run the ball out of the spread. When you look at the Green Bay defense, when they have to play against shotgun formations, the teams have carried the ball 23 times for 107 yards. That's almost five yards a carry. I think that's why the Eagles will do it, and I think the Eagles will. Well, I think the Eagles could win outright, and I do think they'll cover.
1: Yeah, Eagles are nothing for me tonight. Uh, I could tease them. I could play them on the money line. I'm all about the Eagles tonight, catching the uh, the four. Uh, Mike Palm, you need a tissue, man. You okay back there? You all
4: right? Oh
3: no, I'm all right. Okay, I'm wonderful. All right.
4: By the way, Gil, before we go to the second pick, can I ask Mike Lombardi a quick question? Please. Okay, Mike Lombardi. Here's my question. I love, I've been listening to you since you were way way back on Bill Simmons and then with GM Street, and blah, blah, blah. I love when you are just so candid about how you feel about these teams. Do you get a lot of blowback from NFL people? Great because question. Because you're like, Mike, why are you throwing my guy, this guy under the bus and this guy under the bus and this guy under the bus? Do you get blowback?
5: No, I don't get any blowback. I mean, I talk to a lot of people in the league, and, and a lot of people in the like, league listen to the podcast, my podcast, The DM Shuffle. I think it's pretty much that they know I'm, I'm, I'm... That's just the way I've always been. I've always been honest. I can't really fudge it. I'm not going to be political and say, oh, you're playing great today, you know. Oh, by the way, Baker Mayfield, you know, it's okay. You've got 21 passes knocked down at the, you know, and Patrick Mahomes only has three. That's not a problem. You know, I'm not going to do that. I think... I thought that was the most refreshing thing about Rex Ryan coming out about Baker Mayfield. He finally made a stand about something. You know, like, like you have opinions, like you've got to give your opinion. So I don't really get much blowback. I'm sure I'm not probably popular in Los Angeles in the Rams. I mean, McVay, I talked to McVay, but their front office probably doesn't talk to me because I think they just gave one of the most ridiculous contracts to a guy in the last, in the last 11 games that's thrown 11 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions, and he averages under seven yards per pass attempt. You know, if you want to give $180 million to that guy, feel free.
1: That's a great question, Todd. I've always wanted to ask Michael that. Maybe I have in the past, but I I certainly think that's a great question. And I do like that that Jared Goff take, and you and I got into this a little, Michael, the other day, because I agree with that. I really felt like, and this is like, again, would make NFL heads explode and fans' heads explode, but I really felt like Jared Goff might have been the first guy, the first quarterback who was drafted high who they would have had on a rookie contract, tried to win as much as possible with him, and then said to themselves, he is what he is, but we're not going to give him all this money. And they would have essentially started from scratch. We've never seen that in the NFL, and obviously it's not happening here, because they threw $134 million at him, 110 guaranteed. Good Lord. it's awesome. Good for him. All right, let's do the second best bets. Michael Lombardi, do you have a second guess, uh, best bet, or did you want to just... Uh, Staying after the Denver pick.
5: Well, you know, I, I uh, my, I mean, the team, the games that I like, the ones that I talked about on my podcast is, is um, you know, I talked about Green Bay and Philadelphia. I like them. I talked about Denver and Jacksonville. I really like Seattle and laying the points against Arizona. I don't. Arizona didn't struggle. They struggled bad against uh, Carolina. Carolina only allowed 127 yards passing. I think Seattle, I think Russell Wilson is having an MVP season. Now, they've turned the ball over too much, and it's always about the ball, the ball, the ball when you're dealing with Pete Carroll. But I just think that, to me, these are two teams that are just different, and one team's coming off a loss, and the level of importance is far greater for Seattle. They can't get behind. They've got to get more out of Clowney. I think Anzu will play this week. Clowney's had one sack and one hurry all season. They need to get much more out of him to be able to be effective. But I I think in this game, without Patrick Peterson – That secondary is really bad. And I think what you see Wilson averaging 8.6 yards per attempt, 119 quarterback rating, seven touchdown passes, one interception. You know, and so they got to find a way to get the pressure on the passer. And I think that Russell Wilson will do that. And as long as this line stays four or under, I I think it's at five now. It opened at four. It moved moved to five. I liked it really at four. I think at five I still would take
1: All right, I'm it seeing some five-and-a-halves too, but five is the consensus still. Seattle was like my fifth or sixth highest pick, so they can't make my top three here. I don't hate it, that's for sure. Uh, Mike Palm.
3: Okay, I'm going to go to a total here. I'm going to take the Patriots and the Bills under 42-and-a-half. I think you're dealing with two of the top five defenses in the NFL With when well, I think the Patriots are the best defense. But the Bills have been very good early in the year as well. You're going to mm-hmm. have a big game here, a divisional matchup, and I think this game will be played pretty close to the vest in Orchard Park. We've seen this game traditionally be low scoring when it is in Orchard Park. I make this number myself about thirty nine and a half. So I thought there would be some value here uh, in the under at forty two and a half.
1: All right. What were you last week on the show, by the way? Your three points. I was. Is.
3: Yeah, oh two and one. We lose uh, the total with the uh, pick six by the uh, the Jets. Oh, wow. uh, we were just dead wrong oh, on the Eagles' Gill. Yeah, um, we pushed the yeah. the pushed the Broncos total, and then we hit the teaser, so. Yeah,
1: I guess we the were. The teaser, dead
3: wrong. my teasers was uh, Chiefs and Vikings one. Yeah, we were just dead wrong on the Eagles last week.
1: Although they dropped seven passes, as Lombardi said, so, you know, it could have gone the other way, but yeah. That, 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 <laughs> I don't chalk that up as a bad beat or a coin flip in the end. That's just <clears> a loss. And I had the Eagles in a teaser, too, so I got screwed there. Todd, pick two? My second pick, right before I, I, I just want to ask
4: Lombardi, because is a Patriots, um, insider have you ever seen and i'm not asking this because i had the jets team total under 10 last week have you ever <laughs> seen the patriots give up a special teams and uh pick six in the same game in the history of bill belichick
5: no i think that's a rarity uh we gave up uh let's see yeah we did it against philadelphia todd in 2015 at the end of the at the end of the ha- at the end of the half we got a block punt for a touchdown against the eagles and then to start the second half, we fourteen to four. We built a 14, 14, 14 nothing lead. Eagles came back, blocked the kick at the end of the half to, to make it 14-14. We started the second half, took it all the way down the field, and Malcolm Jenkins picked it off and returned it for a touchdown. They went up 28-14. They beat us that day. So yeah, it's happened before, but it's uncommon. And I think that what Mike said about this Patriot defense is is dead on. I think his, his total is right. I think this will be two defenses that will really dominate the game. I think the Patriots will struggle to move the football against the Bills' front, especially considering that Marshall Newhouse is the left tackle, and they're going to have to do everything in their power to help him against Jerry Hughes. So I think the under's the play.
1: How about if you're Jared Stidham right now? Your third pass, you throw the pick six. You get benched for Brady. He Actually, Belichick puts Brady back in the game, and now you sign Cody Kessler off the scrap heap.
5: Well, I think... I can explain that. So here's Belichick's methodology, and this is what makes him so good. Brady's 42 years old. He can't practice, and they want to give him a day off. Well, it's hard to give him a day off when you only have two quarterbacks, right? So there's no quarterback he could put on the practice squad that he felt like he could actually have to put in a game if something happened to Brady. So he brings Kessler in. So really, Kessler's like he's on his practice squad, but he's not because he has to carry him on the 53-man roster. He'll educate him, get him caught up to speed, teach him the offense, probably cut him in a week or two, let him sit out there, and then when he needs him, bring him back and the guy's already had work, or just hang on to him, depending on what his roster manipulation needs to be. But also it gives him a chance on Wednesday to give Brady a complete day off and not wear Stidham out. This guy's not going to take any reps away from Stidham. He's not going to jump Stidham. He's just going to be there to help with an arm and somebody to learn the offense. And this is classic Belichick, thinking about 12 games down the road, 10 games down the road, not tomorrow.
1: That's why we have you on the show, Michael. Roster manipulation. That's exactly That's right. what's going on. I have no doubt. You
4: want me to, want me to give my second pick now? Yeah. Because no, we got side <laughs> Please, back. Todd. Yes, Todd. Please, Please Todd. I've been waiting. <laughs> We're all <laughs> waiting. That's right. So my second pick is the under 47.5 in the Carolina-Houston game, and here's why. The Carolina Panthers had their backup quarterback, who just might be better than Cam Newton, uh, and Run roughshod all over Arizona. I don't think that same backup quarterback, while he may be better than Cam, is going to run roughshod all over the Houston defense in Houston. Houston's defense put really, really threw a zero against Minshew until the last uh, until the last drive. Um, they even went into San Diego and held Rivers down. I think they're a very good defense if they can get ahead. They're going to run the ball like crazy because Mr. Bill O'Brien, first and 10, run up the middle, second and eight, run up the middle, third and six, try to get the first down. He loves to run the clock. He loves to run the ball. He loves to be uncreative. He is Mr. Uncreative. If Bill Belichick is Mr. Creative, Mr. Bill O'Brien is Mr. Uncreative. Uncreative leads to the clock being drained. The clock just tick, 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 tick. And guess what? I'm going under the 47 and a half. Because I think it's going to be a typical Houston ball game where it's going to be like 23 to 21 or 21 to 18 or some crazy number because they run the clock.
1: You just like using the word roughshod. How many many times in life, by the way, have you used the word roughshod not in the context of run roughshod in the National Football League?
4: It's interesting, but I also used Batten Down the Hatches this week on your other show, which (laughs) is another one of my favorites, because old Jimmy G better Batten Down the Hatches or it's going to be a long season in the Niner land.
1: That's right. It's usually hurricane talk, uh, Batten Down the Hatches, like actually protecting yourself from a hurricane, but Todd managed to use it there. Um, My second pick is the Kansas City Omaha Chiefs. Uh, I'm going with the Chiefs. They're giving six on the road at, well, it's called six and a half, to be fair. That's consensus. On the road at Detroit. And this is nothing more than me saying it's the Chiefs by less than a touchdown. I don't care where they are. They're at Detroit and Matt Patricia. This gets back to that coaching thing I talked about uh, where I'm just going to do my power rankings on coaches. I like Andy Reid a whole bunch better than I like Matt Patricia. And as long as you're giving me the Chiefs less than a touchdown. Look, last week, Lamar Jackson needed circus plays like just throwing the ball up in the air miraculously ravens receivers came down with it for kansas city backers to lose that bet that was the magic of lamar jackson who can get away from anything i'll take the same exact number on kansas city on the road this time mind you i get it but i'll take the exact number on the road against detroit who i fear not at all and i know people are high on detroit they are undefeated they are two oh and one but you know what Prove me wrong. I'll take the Kansas City Chiefs offense every day of the week when it's less than a touchdown. Minus six and a half here. Chiefs, my second pick.
4: By the way, Gil, I love it because guess what? Detroit had two games that were given to them, and the other game was that
5: debacle in Arizona. Total debacle. I had them
1: first week, and we both did. Just horrific.
5: I I think, Gil, I I think the team speed of the, the Chiefs I think the Chiefs are always going to be prime for a backdoor cover. I mean, I I, I learned I listen to you today talk about uh, being right on on picks and coming out. You know, these guys like with Mike. These guys are thirteen and two. It's really there is a degree of luck because I don't think you could have handicapped that game better than thinking the Chiefs were going to beat the Ravens by more than five and a half, and yet you still lost because you're up thirty to thirteen. Your kid misses an extra point, right? You're and then, and then you have this huge lead, and then when the clock becomes your opponent, they don't care about the spread. So in this sports handicapping world, you've got to almost look at the – you have to look at the clock as a dimension that you're dealing with as well. And so, you know, I, I definitely think the Chiefs will beat the, 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 the Lions. I think the Lions, like Todd said, are, are a much fortunate team. They've avoided losing before they've won. But I've always I'm scared to death that these backdoor covers are going to catch you on this because the Chiefs are not that great on defense and they'll they'll deal with the clock as opposed to the opponent.
1: It is a great point to make. Always susceptible to the backdoor. Uh, I guess with the Chiefs, I'm going to need to be beaten over the head twice before I stop doing it with, with the Chiefs. But Lamar Jackson was one thing. But if Detroit can do it again, tip of the cap for me. But it, it is a valid point. Todd uh, was was harping on the backdoor covers. Ad nauseum. May I use ad nauseum for you, Todd? Don't mean to insult you. I, I ad
4: nauseum do it because it's so so much of the NFL comes down to the backdoor cover. It's I hate to say it, but you have to handicap it. And and you know on your show on Wednesdays I go on there and I talk about who got the backdoor touchdowns and who didn't. And if you don't keep track of it, folks, you're going to get burned.
1: Well, you know, I think the the point that we made on that show, and kudos to you for making it. When we were kids, right? Whether it was the Redskins or the Giants or the Niners or the Cowboys, whatever dynasty, whatever mini dynasty we had going on in those days, those teams would blow out opponents every single game, right? And they would not, they, those, it would be nothing for those teams to win games by 25, 30 points week in and week out. Today, we just don't see that in today's NFL. And we, and you wonder, there has to be a reason for that, like all the dynamics that are in play. And so much of that is perhaps the talent is more evenly spread across the board. But a lot of it has to do with the officiating, right? The fact that, that everybody has such an offensive advantage now, the way that flags are uh, drawn. And so it's probably easier for worse teams to keep games close. I mean, Michael, I don't know what your theories are on that. But there's there are so many dynamics that make games not as consistently blowout natured in this era
5: yeah i mean i think to me it's especially with the chiefs and the one thing about andy Reid is you never really have to worry about him going conservative on you like if he's actually if he's behind you're in a better position to handle the, the over the cover than if he's ahead because he's you know he's going to keep trying to score i mean i've always said andy Reid's. Like the fat guy at the buffet line, he just going to keep scoring and scoring and scoring. He don't care, you know. And he doesn't. He never works three dimension like he did in the Patriot game at home. But I do think that the speed of this game is too much for Detroit, and especially if Slay's hurt. And then they're going to and Melvin. They're going after Melvin. Like you can't. I mean, he will be uh, Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes by the time this game, (laughs) Rashard Melvin, will be done. And there'll be no Teddy Pentagras to save him either.
1: Excellent R&B referencing from Michael Lombardi. I love that. Teddy Pendergrass, of course, he went on to solo fame and was tragically uh, paralyzed. in a Pride car accident.
5: of Philadelphia. Yeah, Pride, pride of Philadelphia, Philadelphia. That's right. right.
1: What a great, great voice Teddy Pendergrass had back in the day. Okay, so final picks. And Michael, So Michael's kind of given three. Uh, Philadelphia was one of yours. Denver was the other. And uh, you like Seattle.
3: May I ask Michael Lombardi a question before I give my third pick since Todd's already asked two? Yes, please. Of course. <laughs> Michael, I I believe that if he stays healthy, that Patrick Mahomes may go down as, if not the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL from the skill set that he's shown so far. Your thoughts on
5: that? You know, Mike, I, I watch him every week and I marvel at him. I mean, he's truly remarkable. He has incredible sense instincts in the pocket. He feels the pressure, never takes his eyes off the field. He throws it down the field. The fact he's played three games and only three of his footballs have been touched by the opponent, just three. As I've mentioned, Baker Mayfield's had 21 touched by the opponent, right? So you can't get your hands on the ball. He can escape. He's elusive. And then he forces you to defend every single blade of grass vertically and horizontally. So the way the game is today and the way the way his talent sets up for the game today. Uh, I, I, I could not dis- I could not disagree with that statement. I mean, he's remarkable. And let me say this. I love Deshaun Watson, and I think Deshaun Watson is flat-out remarkable. I mean, the first three weeks of the season, Deshaun Watson's great. But Mahomes just does it at such a, a little higher level.
1: Yeah, poor Deshaun Watson. Until last week. 12 consecutive games, getting sacked four times, I believe it was? Just ridiculous.
5: You, 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 you know, Gil, I think, he, I, think he, he, I think he does that. It's a little bit like, uh, it's just his style of play. I mean, he's not a true rhythm thrower. He's going to hold the ball a little longer than you want. But some of the escapes that he's gotten out of uh, are just flat-out remarkable. And then he breaks plays down with his unique ability.
1: Eight games in a row with four sacks. Pardon me, eight games, not 12. Still, one question before Mike uh, gives his pick. You said Patrick Mahomes has only had three balls touched by an opponent, three passes. Where are you getting those numbers from? That's amazing.
5: Well, you know, uh, uh, StatPass has them. If you go to StatPass, Inc., or whatever that site, or if you go to the clubs, most of the time you can go to the clubs, uh, the, the, uh, the releases, they, they keep track of passes defended by the opponent and passes defended by your team. And I've always looked at that because that tells you who's making plays on the football. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't get an incomplete pass if you don't break it up. I mean, mostly you know you got to hope for a drop. And so the t- and it also is an indication of team speed of your defense. So if you have don't have a lot of passes defended, you don't have pretty good team speed. The other area you want to evaluate team speed in is in fumbles, forced fumbles, because the speed it's it's Einstein's theory of velocity. You know, power and speed equals uh, you know. Whatever that is, I'm not a math major, but you know, and so that you can see it. And I always look at who's forced fumbles. It truly goes back to your team speed. Defensive linemen that run after the football, they tackle a running back from behind with speed. That ball comes out.
1: Love it. Stat pass. P a s s. Mike Palm, what you got?
3: My final best bet is the Sunday night game, and I'm going to take the two and a half points with the home dog. So am I. New Orleans. That's number three. New Orleans yep. Saints That's against my third. the Dallas Cowboys. Couple of factors. I'm with you, Mike.
5: Preach, preach, Mike. I'm with you.
3: I still think that that Superdome is a tough place to play for an opponent. Number one, number two, I think there's a huge coaching mismatch in this game between Peyton and Coach Clapper. Number three, I think the more time Teddy Bridgewater gets behind center in these games and with this offense, the more comfortable he's going to become, Um, and and he will continue to to improve as he as he fills in for Breeze for the next five or six weeks. I think Kamara gives him so many options, uh, both uh, catching the ball and running the ball out of the backfield. I think this Dallas offense will have trouble with the noise in the dome, and I really think that New Orleans is a side that's going to win this game, not just cover the two-and-a-half on Sunday night.
1: I think the wrong team is favored. I don't know if you heard my rant on guessing lines on Monday. Um, I was shocked that this spread was what it was. Dallas has beaten nobody, right, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, and it's 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 still the Superdome. It's still prime time. And, yeah, I'll take the points. Thank you very much. And, yes, the coaching is the other thing. Again, getting back to the coaching rankings. Sean Payton against the Clapper. Copyright Michael Lombardi. I'll take that every day. Michael?
5: I would add this, too. Look, I, I'm a big believer in and you're coming back to the Mead at some point. So Prescott's been unbelievable, right? I mean... You know, he's played the Miami secondary. We know what they are. The Giants secondary, really bad. The Redskins secondary, really bad. Three bad secondary. So he's got a 9.8 yard per attempt so far. His career is 7.5. He's got 9.6 touchdown percentage. His career is 4.8. He's got a 75.5 percentage of completion. His career is 66. His quarterback rating is 128 this year. It's career 97.9. At some point, it's coming back to the mean. At some point now, I'm yeah. not saying he can't improve, but it's going to come back to the mean, and eventually, and it's games like this that gets it back to the mean, and I think that that's really going to be the issue.
1: Todd, your final pick, man.
4: So, you, so your final, I'm writing them all down. Your final pick is New Orleans plus two and a half, kill?
1: Yes, I have been screaming about it all week. Yep.
4: Okay, so so my final pick is going to be the over. Now, now tread carefully, folks. The over forty nine in the Washington. New York Giant game. I believe this game has already moved up, so it's probably not a great idea to be taking a bad number, but you know me. I do things that are bad ideas all the time. Um, Over 49 in this game, and here's why. The New York Giants defense is horrific. I watched that Bills game. They made Josh Allen look like the second coming of Joe Montana. He was literally just throwing it down the wide-open people. The Giants didn't stop Tampa Bay last year. I mean, last week, and in fact, they even... Let him get into field goal range on the last drive. So the Giants, we know, cannot play defense. The Washington Redskins, we know, cannot play defense. I don't know that. And with that being said, Danny Dimes is the quarterback in New York who actually showed a little funk last week in Tampa Bay. Now he gets to play in front of the home crowd. I think he's going to be able to score on Washington. I think Case Keenum is going to be able to, even though I don't like Case Keenum, I think he can score against the putrid, abhorrent, New York Giants secondary, I'd say over 49.
1: It's like a thesaurus listening to this podcast. It might be Colt McCoy. Keep in mind, Case Keenum is in a uh, walking boot, so it could be Colt even McCoy. Even
4: better. Even better. I like Colt McCoy even better than Case
0: Keenum. Thank you.
1: I love Colt McCoy. I really do. I don't love Colt McCoy, but Colt McCoy has never done anything wrong in a Redskin uniform. Let me just point that out. Uh, he's limited, but he's never done anything truly wrong in a Redskins uniform. I think the Redskins might win this game, but the over is the play for Todd. 49 is the number, Todd? Is that what you're saying?
4: I see 49s and 49s and a half.
1: Okay, so over for Todd. We'll give you the 49 consensus on that one.
5: All right. Yeah, and, and and Gil, I think it's a great call. It opened at 46 and a half, and now it's up to 49. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing gets to 50.
1: Okay. Support for today's show comes from bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to thirty years. Pro players consider them a must for three major reasons. One, they're first to post odds, two, they take the highest limits, and three, most importantly, they pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. That is everything in this day and age. Bookmakers a high volume sports book best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting. They also cater to large recreational players as well. And their motto is where the lines originate, because chances are The sportsbook at which you've been betting follows their lines anyway. So right now, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l, you can claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash gill, bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l, to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. Remember, the three characteristics. First to post odds, take the highest limits, And never kick out a winning player. Bookmaker.eu slash Gil. Final two questions, gentlemen, of the show. We close out each and every show with these. I've been doing it for years on the Megapod. The first is, of all the big favorites on the board... What what
4: about the the teasers, Gil? The teasers?
1: God, I don't even know the format of my whole new show, do I? Teasers first. You're right, Todd. Todd, maybe you should take this chair. Uh, Teasers. (laughs) What is your teaser of the week? Let's start there. We'll give uh, Michael Lombardi a little time to think about it because I don't think I prepped him on teaser of the week. Mike Palm, what would be your teaser of the week?
3: On uh, my guys in the desert on Monday, Brent, you know, returned very crestfallen after having watched his Raiders just get dismantled (laughs) in Minnesota. (laughs) Poor Brent. And I told him that I've I've come up with a formulaic teaser for your show. I'm going to do the same thing every week until I'm wrong. I'm always going to tease the Chiefs down, and I'll tease the team that's playing the Raiders down. So let's take thing. the yeah yeah let's take the Chiefs minus a half in Detroit and you've already talked about this game, Gail. Detroit's been extremely fortunate that they're two 0 and one, having been gifted all of those uh, victories and ties, and uh, and then the Colts will tease them down to one against the Raiders. I just don't see what's to like about this team. Um, Michael, you've spoken uh, at length about the, the philosophy and what are they and what they're trying to do and the mumbo-jumbo that that organization is. And now they go to Indianapolis traveling on this ridiculous schedule where they don't get to go back to Oakland until November. So I like the Colts here big, but I'll use them in the teaser minus one. And can
1: I just add, I'll just step in here too. Mine was pick any two of the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Ravens as a tease. <laughs> because I love the Ravens against the Browns as well. so and they, and they might be one of my circuit picks for all I know. But any combination of those three teams, Ravens, Chiefs, and Colts, I like that. Todd?
4: Um, I'm going to go similar but a, a little different. I'm going to go with Indy as well because I, I like everything Mike Palm said, and I agree 100% the Raiders are fraudulent. Frank Reich is a far superior coach than Mr. Gruden. I'm going to go with Indy, and then I'm going to use the New England Patriots <laughs> to minus one and just win the game at Buffalo if Bill Belichick could somehow figure out a way not to give up a special team and a defensive touchdown.
1: Again, refusing to call them Patriots, the Patriots for Todd uh, at Buffalo, the other, the other end of his teaser. Would you have any thoughts on a teaser, Michael?
5: You know, I would take the Rams and, and get that number down to minus two. I think the Rams will win. I don't think they'll cover. And then I, I really... You know, I really would like the Minnesota Vikings and getting nine and a half. If I could get that, that would be like walking in the park. If I could get those two, those two would be my teaser. We'll
1: uh, we'll give you the Rams down to three, and we'll give you the Vikings up to eight and a half. How about that?
5: So I only get six points on a teaser. Okay, great. Then I'll take that. That's fine. Yeah, you're giving me a, almost a touchdown without an extra point with Mitch Trubisky on. I'll take that every day. <laughs>
1: There there are teasers, of course, that are six and a half or seven, but for our purposes on this show we can find it to six. Okay, Todd, now it's two question time. Is it the final two questions now? I believe you've got it right. <laughs> Jesus, what is wrong with me? I'm losing brain cells, by the way. All right, so the first of the final two questions. Which of the big favorites do you believe is the most likely to lose outright? Not saying you're predicting it, but of this group, what is the team that you think is the most ripe for an outright upset? And I will take it as six-point favorites and higher for the purposes of today's show. So the candidates are Baltimore Ravens, six-and-a-half. Let's call it seven-point favorites at home against Cleveland. Kansas City, 6.5-point favorites on the road against Detroit, as we mentioned. New England, 7-point favorites on the road at Buffalo. The L.A. Chargers, 15.5-point favorites on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Colts, we mentioned, 7-point favorites at home against Oakland. And finally, the L.A. Rams, 9-point favorites at home against Tampa Bay. Michael Lombardi, which of those big favorites do you believe is the most likely to lose outright?
5: Uh, I would say Baltimore.
1: Baltimore. Interesting. Is that because you can see Cleveland stepping it up, or is that more of a damning of Baltimore?
5: I think a little bit of Baltimore secondary. You know, they got torched a little bit by, uh, by not a little bit. They got torched tremendously by Arizona. They got torched by Kansas City. They don't have Jimmy Smith. I think. I think they'll. You know, I think it'll, they could get beat in this game.
3: All right.
1: The bacteria-filled Mike Palm. What do you got?
5: This is a tough one because. Uh... I'm
3: I'm between New England and I think we did well last. week. We did. We all said Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Michael. I, I think you, OBJ can hit him hit that secondary couple times. Uh, you know the, the the Browns have a talented defense, so uh, yeah, I'll go with Baltimore.
5: I almost this for the record. I almost went with the, I almost went with New England. I think you're right. I think that New England game will be a hard game. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, that's all right. Yeah, New England a uh, honorable mention. Todd, same thing for you.
5: Uh, I'm going to go
4: with Baltimore too. I mean the Cleveland Baltimore game as well, and the reason is last year end of the season, Cleveland played Baltimore really really tough. If you remember, it was a third down and ten where Mister um, Jesus Baker Mayfield threw the ball behind uh, his receiver. Otherwise, they would have been in first. Uh, they would have been in field goal range to tie the game, I believe, or even win it. I can't remember. I think they were down two at the time, but they played them real tough last year. The other thing is. Baltimore played Arizona at home last week before the Kansas City game, and it was only 23-17. They never really put their foot on the throat of Arizona and just killed them like I thought they were going to. They let Kyler Murray run around and stay in that game, which means to me maybe Baltimore's not as great as we think. Now, I don't really think they're going to lose this game, but, you know, Cleveland's got some talent, and maybe they get lucky.
1: I'm going to say New England as mine and just really as a default because I just like it more than the others as the answer to that question. In other words, I don't see Kansas City losing. I like Baltimore, so I'm not gravitating that way. The Chargers can't lose as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite, can they? Can they? Uh, And then the Colts I don't see losing or the Rams. So for me, the default answer would be New England on the road division game uh, at Buffalo. For me, Baltimore and Cleveland, I'll still take John... I love analytics, Harbaugh, over Freddie Kitchens. Like, Freddie <laughs> Kitchens to me, is that is the, your story is great there, Todd, but I just, like, this is a different staff, and I just don't know about Freddie Kitchens at all. That thing he did at the end of that game, where he, uh, the end of the Jets game, still rings in my head.
4: Oh, I don't like him either. Yeah. I don't like him either. I'm just saying if we have to pick somebody to lose. That's right, you
1: have to pick someone. All right, final question then, gentlemen. If we lived in a bizarro world and you were betting side on... All 15 of these games, because we do have two buys, the Jets and the Niners. Uh, Let's say instead of all 15, you could get one free pass. You had to bet on 14 of the 15. What is the game on the spread that you would want no part of whatsoever? Michael Lombardi.
5: That's always a hard one. I, I. I, I, my instincts tell me to Tennessee Atlanta cuz I don't like either team but when I don't like either team I stay away from the spread.
1: I like that answer. I think that's my answer too. Tennessee Atlanta. I have no feel for that game whatsoever. Mike Palm?
3: I think it's this game in South Florida between the team that never plays to win, the Chargers. They always play not to lose against the team that's playing to lose, the Dolphins. I can't I don't I couldn't tease this either way. I couldn't I have no I have no feel because Anthony Lind, I just can't deal with him ever in my life again. I mean, what what he does in the second half of these games is... If you watch the first half of that game between the Texans and the Chargers, how would you think they were going to lose that game? If you watch the first three quarters of the game in Detroit, how would you think they're going to lose that game? It's just remarkable.
1: I even like the Monday night game, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati,
3: better than I like
1: Chargers-Miami, I think. I would agree there. Todd? Which would you want? No, I, I
4: I have to go with Tennessee and Atlanta too because I I look at Atlanta is such a heck Jekyll and Hyde ridiculous team. How do you figure out when Matt Ryan's going to throw the ridiculous interception? How do you figure out whether it's going to be Mike Vrabel with a great game plan going into Dallas and winning on the road last year, or playing a game way above their head and beating somebody, or on the other hand, just laying an egg like they did against Jacksonville? They're so hard to figure out. So, to me, they're
1: both crazy teams. I'm out. All right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. And he's out for the show as well. Thank you to everybody. Really appreciate it. Uh, not only uh, Todd Wisdom and Mike Palm, of course, the staples of the show. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time. But Michael Lombardi, a mensch. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no,
5: it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed the company. Thank you. I learned a lot today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And hopefully we can get you back here at some point later in the season. Gil Alexander, sorry for not knowing the format of my own show. Thank God Todd was here. Good luck with all your bets this weekend of the National Football League.